Welcome to The Six Figure Therapist, where we discuss professional and practical ways for mental health practitioners to help others and make money. Here's your host, Dr. Arcella. Well, hello, I'm Dr. Arcella, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Six Figure Therapist. And today I'm excited because my special guest is me. <laughs> yeah, so I have been um, so fortunate to know many people who have watched the podcast and to actually start to meet people who have listened to the podcast or watched the podcast. And so I've been getting questions lately about, you know, who are you? How did you get to this point? And so I thought, why not interview myself and answer some of the questions that I asked the guests that you've heard on the show and that you'll hear later that have come on the show. So today, I'm going to just give you a little bit of background about how I became a six-figure therapist and kind of where I'm trying to go at this point in my life and in my career. So welcome. So I'll first usually ask the guests, to tell me about themselves. So I'll just tell you a little bit about myself briefly, and then we'll go into more detail. So first of all, I am a licensed psychologist, and I am also a licensed professional counselor. And I initially started off in the profession. Actually, I wanted to be a professor. I wanted to teach. So I really had not thought about having a private practice and, and doing a lot of therapy work. I just wanted to teach. But it's so interesting now as I look on how my career has spanned out, I really am glad that I was able to go out in the field and then come back and teach because I feel like I have a lot more things that I can share being out in the field and then coming out. Um, and teaching. And so initially when I wanted to teach, they didn't have any teaching jobs by the time that I finished school. And I'll tell you kind of my my progress in school. But by the time I finished school, they didn't have any teaching jobs. And I had a PhD actually is in school psychology. I started off in counseling psychology with my PhD is in school psychology. So I actually became a school psychologist and I was a school psychologist for 10 years. And so I'll tell you kind of about that, but I've been in a lot of different areas of psychology and I enjoy it. I, I can't think of anything else that I would have done differently in terms of a career choice. So yeah, and I'm a, a mother of two children. I have a daughter who was officer in the Navy, and my son-in-law is also an officer in the Navy, and I have three grandchildren. I'm a yaya. Well, I have two and a half right now, so my daughter is pregnant again, so I'm a yaya. It's my grandma name, and so I have my first granddaughter is Zuri Arcella, so she's named after me, which is such a blessing. And then my second grandbaby is Zaylee Katrina, and so I got to name her Zaylee. Shout out to Zaylee Barclay. That's where I got it from. She does a lot of YouTube, talks about making YouTube videos. So that's why I got the name. But anyway, and then I have a new grandbaby coming. So we don't know the gender or anything yet as I film this, but I'm sure I'll let you know at some point when the third grandbaby is born. Then I have a son and he works at a major tech company and just awesome, just awesome uh, and he's he's not quite married yet, but I think he's on the road to to looking into that. And uh, I have my parents. I have a bunch of great friends. 
And uh, so my life is it's pretty good. I can't complain at all about about my life. And in terms of work, I have a private practice. I actually have I work out of two offices, one in Atlanta area and one in Conyers, Georgia. And my specialty is marriage and family therapy. So initially I started off working with children and then I moved and started working with adults. And so I've, I've kind of at this stage in my career, I work with adults and I work with couples and I'm winding down the private practice piece. And, and I'll tell you why later. All right, so that's a little bit about me. And the next question I normally ask is, uh, you know, I talk about therapy being a gift. And when did the when did my guests find out they were gifted in this area or what made them decide to go into mental health or become a mental health professional? So I'll just tell you a, a quick story. I, uh, it's from, I'm from the hood. So I'm from Gary, Indiana. And I was raised in Gary, Indiana. And, you know, yeah, so we didn't have many, there were professional people there, I know, but like I said, where I was from, my family was, they were entrepreneurs, so they did work and sell things, but uh, I technically am one of the first generation college students on on my side of the family, but my family, of course, was very bright and, and resourceful people, so I didn't actually know they didn't go to college or even think about it until, until way later when it was time for me to go to college. But I remember when I was about eight years old or so, my auntie, my one of my favorite aunties, she would come, my Aunt Inez, she would come and she'd say, you are so smart, you're smart. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, and as a little child, you're like, thank you. You know, and she said, you could be a doctor. And she kept telling me, you could be a doctor. Well, in the hood, the only doctors we knew were medical doctors, right? We didn't really think about psychologists or any other kinds of doctors. And so I just kind of had in my mind, I would be a doctor one day. So probably we fast forward a couple of years later, she had foot surgery. And one day she calls me in a room and she says, Arcella, can you help me? Because her she was bleeding through the bandages. And she was saying, can you help me change the bandages? And all of that. And it was painful when I was started taking the bandage off. And so she started crying. And when I saw the blood, I literally almost passed out. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like in the wound and all of that. And I was like, oh, my God. And then she was crying and I was crying. So she had to actually get somebody else to help because I could not finish. And so a little while later, she came to me. She said, well, Baby, you know, you smart, but I don't know if you can be a doctor because doctors have to see blood and doctors have to, they can't cry with the people. They got to help the people. And I was like, okay, you know, again, being young, I'm like, okay, I guess I won't be a doctor. And so then we fast forward, um, seventh grade, I'm sitting in a, a class, I think it was my English class or something, and they had career day. And that's one of the reasons why I speak at career day. And I think I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, but that's why I go to career day when people ask me to come to career day, because you just never know how somebody can, how you can influence somebody. And especially when talking about careers that they didn't even know were possible. So I still encourage everybody to go to career day and talk about your career, especially if you're doing something different and cool that people may not have heard about. But anyway, and I still don't know how it happened, but it was a lady there and she had and she was Caucasian, which is interesting because in the hood, I don't remember many Caucasian people, but she came. She's Caucasian woman and she had a bob haircut. I remember she had on this suit 
And she talked about that she was a doctor and she talked about she helped people. And I remember raising my hand and saying, hey, do you see blood? And of course, she kind of looked at me like, oh, no. And then she said, I said, well, can you cry with the people? She said, well, you're not supposed to generally. She said, but I have before, but you're really not supposed to. And I was like, okay. And come to find out she was a psychologist. And I thought, okay, so she's still a doctor and she still helps people and she doesn't see blood. Yeah, that's it, right? And so I just kept that in the back of my mind. I don't even remember sharing it with anyone. And so then we fast forward to my junior year in high school. And I took two of the most significant classes that I would take. One was typing, which I'm so glad to this day, because who would have known back then in the 80s that I would be typing this much? Because, you know, computers and all that weren't really, you know, a thing yet. And uh, so typing. And then I took a psychology course. And when I took a psychology course and got to understand about the mind and Freud and, and just how people work, it was just really fascinating to me because I just always was an observer of people from what my family said. I would just kind of look and watch people and, and, and know about people. So the idea that there was a science that you can learn about people and that people are more much more complicated than what we think they are and things like that, but yet simple, I just thought it was fascinating. So that after I took that class, I was like, okay, I'm going to Spelman College. And at the time, I didn't even apply to any other colleges. And one day, somebody came to me and said, what if you don't get in? I'm like, what would you mean? I'm like, get in. I called Spelman. I wanted to go to Spelman. Like, I knew nothing else but to go to Spelman. So I did end up applying to Fisk. And I think I applied uh, somewhere else, maybe. But I got into Fisk and all that. But I ended up, of course, going to Spelman. And uh, at Spelman, I majored in psychology, did not change. I met some of my mentors, Dr. Burnett. And, and she was a clinical psychologist. And so at the time, even though there were, she technically she was a social psychologist, but she had gotten a clinical uh, license and things like that. And at the time I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll just be a clinical psychologist because you didn't really know about all the other different types of psychologists to be. And so I, I go the summer, my junior year in college, I go to Howard University and I spent a summer there at a research, basically, I got a research fellowship to spend eight weeks. And I was actually researching um, community violence on, on young children and looking at how that violence impacts different areas of their life. And so I got to hang out there and I loved it there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to apply just like I did with Spelman. I'm going to go to Howard and be a doctor at Howard University. That's it right there. And I didn't think about applying anywhere else. I was going to go straight and be a doctor. Well, we go back my senior year. I'm, I'm pledging my sorority and I'm doing things. And then... Probably around April-ish, I'm really tired in class. I'm like really tired, really tired. And I've come to find out I'm pregnant with my daughter. And uh, I would, my my husband, well, at the time we were dating, he was at Morehouse and I had been dating him since high school. So that's a whole nother story. So we met our junior in high school. So he's at Morehouse, I'm at Spelman, uh, about to finish up and already, oh, and had been accepted to Howard University. So literally I was going to go from being an undergraduate student straight into a PhD program at Howard University, get pregnant. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't go. And he had another year at Morehouse. So I was like, okay, I can't go being pregnant. I'll just go to Howard next time. So or next year, I'll wait a year, have a baby, go to Howard and he'll come with me. Well, it come to find out after I did that, I was like, uh, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, when my daughter was nine months old, I get pregnant again with my son. And I'm like, oh, Howard, and what am I going to do in my life? Because I had already had it planned out. And so uh, my mentor, oh, Dr. Burnett, going back to her, when I couldn't go to Howard the first time, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Where, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh. And she was like, well, I, I'm opening a private practice and it was in downtown Atlanta. And she said, you can come and work for me. I have a grant and you can be my secretary and help me start the practice. And I was like, okay, because she was still working at Spelman as well, but she was like, I'm doing a practice. So literally I was her secretary and I got to learn though, which was a really cool experience. I got to learn about business, because oftentimes, which is one of the reasons why I fast forward today to what I'm doing with six-figure therapists, is that many of us were told to go into business, but didn't have any business experience. So I got firsthand to get business experience. I got to see how a person worked with integrity. I got to see how to build. I got to see how to answer phones. I got to see customer service. So I really got to see from working in as a secretary, basically, is what I was doing. I got to see how to run a practice and what it took to do that. And she didn't have a lot of clients, but she still did well with the few clients she had, especially when we took care of them. And so I got to learn a lot. And I did that for four years. So it wasn't even like I did it for a few minutes and left because what ended up happening when I got pregnant with my son, I didn't go to Howard because I was like, I can't go with two babies trying to be a doctor. That's not going to work. So I was like, okay, let's restructure this vision. And so I went to Georgia State and I would work during the day as a secretary. And then at night, I would go get on the train and go to class at Georgia State and I was getting a master's degree in what back then was called community counseling. It changed to professional counseling later. So I pretty much did that. And it took me three years to get a master's degree because I can only take a few classes at a time because by the time I finished, oh, and also I take a semester off because my, when I had my son and then I'm a mother of two small kids. And so I, it took me three years to do that. And when I finished it though, the funny part is I go and I'm thinking, okay, I'm finished. I got a master's degree at least. I'm going to do some work. I'm going to work out in the field. And I go to an interview and it is for a substance abuse position. And so I'm there to interview. And the man who was interviewing me, he, well, he's about to interview me. He says, okay, yeah, let's set up. I'm going to set up. And then you can come out, you know, out here when the interview starts. I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, I'm thinking it's just he and I. I get out there. There are literally like six people in this semicircle and it's a chair with me in the middle of the semicircle. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, why why are so many people talking to me? And they just started throwing questions and questions and questions at me. And I felt like I was kind of like at the matrix or something where I'm like dodging, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So I end up answering all the questions and, and, and did everything. And they're like, okay, well, you know what? We, we're interested in you working with us and, and all that. So I'm like, cool, my first job with a master's degree, yes. Now, mind you, I didn't even think about licensure or anything like that at that time because all I knew was clinical psych. I didn't know anything about master's level licensure or anything like that, right? 
And so, so I'm not licensed. And so then they say to me, uh, yeah, so your starting salary would be $27,000. And I was like, what? No, because I was making that as a secretary. So I'm going to go do all this work and not make the same amount of money. And I still got two kids. So I'm thinking a master's degree would increase my pay. But at the time, it was not. And I went home after that interview and I talked to my husband at the time. And I said, hey, uh, this is how much they were trying to pay me. And I'm not, I need to go be a doctor. I need to go be a doctor. Because again, remind you, nobody told me how to, to maximize at the master's level, which is one of the things that I'm trying to do today, or I am doing today is helping people at a master's level maximize their earning potential. So anyway, but I didn't, I didn't have that at the time, right? And, and also didn't know what to ask, didn't know it was even possible at that time. So I'm just thinking 27, I can't negotiate. This is what I'm going to get. I can't take care of two kids on that much money. You know, I went to school. Now I got student loans. I mean, I was thinking all those things. So I was like, I got to go and be a doctor because that's the only other uh, only other choice I knew. So I had a professor at Georgia State, Dr. Wright. And Dr. Wright said, if you, I know some people at Southern Miss, University of Southern Mississippi, that um, if you go there, they'll take all your credits from Georgia State. So you only have a couple years that you would need to do to finish to be a doctor. So I was like, cool, I'm going to go do that. So I applied, I get in and they take my credits, like she said. And so I was going to be in the council. I was originally accepted to the counseling psychology program. And at the time, it probably, I didn't realize how many applicants they had, but they had quite a few applicants because it was a brick and mortar, you know, because online, even though it existed back then, it still wasn't as prevalent. And so they accepted six of us out of that class. And actually I'm still friends with many of them today. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, and so I get there and I told them by this time I knew I like working with kids. And so I get there, I start working with adults and I work with adults in the counseling center. And I'm now, I'm still in my twenties at this time. So I'm working with older adults and some of their problems I'm not quite understanding because I had been working with kids and adolescents and so I wasn't really ready at the time to work with that population of people. And so I talked to the professors about it and they were saying, oh, we're going to see some kids, but I never did for a whole year. And so one day I'm sitting in a class that had, it was called, um, it was like a careers in psychology class, but some type of way I was in the psychology department that we had, we had clinical, we had counseling, we had school psych, we had IO, we had exper experiential or experimental, sorry. And I don't think we had any other areas, but pretty much all the major areas of psychology, we were all in the same area and same department. So in that class, people from all those different areas or students from all those different areas were in the class. And so one of our things that we had to do for the class will stand up and present about your area. And so I remember some of the school psych people getting up, standing up. Remember now, I hadn't heard of school psychology at this point. I didn't know anything about school psychology. They stand up and they start talking about how they work with parents and how they work in the school system, how they do testing, how they do some groups and how they do. And I was thinking, that's what I want to do. That's my career that I should be in. And so I go down the hall and I talked to uh, the school psych people. 
and I say, hey, you know, I'd be interested in doing this and I'm in counseling, but I, I think I want to be what you all are, right? And they looking at me like, mm, we don't know. And they said, well, no, you'd have to reapply. And now remember, as I told you before, hundreds of people applied and only six got in. So literally if I reapply, I have the possibility of being out of one program and not getting into the other program. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense. So I went and I guess they must have talked to some of the other professors and said, oh, Arcella, you know, she's a good student. She's done this, that, da, da, da. And so they came back to me and they said, OK, we won't make you reapply. But of course, you got to interview. You got to do some things. And then we'll let you know if, if the faculty agrees to accept you. Well, some of the faculty in the other department were a little upset. So you really shouldn't do that. I don't recommend that. And so any of you all who want to get, get a doctorate degree, I don't recommend you do that. But uh, I did. So and anyway, they did let me in. They let me in. But I, it added an extra year to my time. And uh, but right away, I got to work with kids. I got to learn testing. I got to learn parent training. I got and that's the stuff that I, I still enjoy doing. So after I finished that, I did my dissertation and everything. So my goal was to finish before I went to um, internship. So I go end up going to internship at Johns Hopkins and the Kennedy Krieger Institute, where I had um, I did marriage and family therapy training and I did parent training. So those are the two things that I ended up getting additional training in. And that's what I ended up doing with my practice stuff. So that kind of gives you an idea. But as I told you earlier, I by then also had taken, I was teaching too as a graduate assistant and I love teaching and I was pretty good at teaching actually. And so I thought, okay, I'm gonna just be a professor as soon as I finish. And they didn't have any jobs. And then I became a school psychologist and actually being a school psychologist. And, and I'll tell anybody, if you like testing, you like working with kids, you like working with parents and teachers and things like that. A school psychologist is an excellent job, especially nowadays, because many people are retiring in school psychology. And also, I will say, if you are a person of color or male person, too, we don't have a lot of males and people of color in school psychology. And so that also is a, a good place to be. And they pay pretty well. And I ended up doing that job for 10 years. And I did it because, as I said, the benefits were good. The pay was good. Also, I was off when my children were off. So it was an excellent job to have as a mother with kids. And it was flexible in the sense that as a school psychologist, I had to be at certain places, but I could have flexibility in scheduling the meetings. I could have flexibility in, you know, what days I went to certain schools and things like that. So if some of you are looking into an area of psychology that's not often talked about, school psychology is really, really something you should look into. So anyway, but I didn't like being a school psychologist per se. I, I did. I felt like it was more like putting bandages on sores. Like some of the stuff that I knew was happening, you couldn't really, because really who employs you? Like the school's employing you. You don't really work for yourself. So you can't really go against the school. And then you can't really go against the parents sometimes. So it was just a it was just a, a fine line that you had to walk in that profession. And I I enjoyed the testing. I didn't necessarily enjoy the report writing because it was a lot of it. And um, so 
that was a little more difficult. And I will say though, that the people that I worked with in school psychology, the people I worked for, they were excellent. Um, they were excellent people. And I, I'm still friends with a lot of them today too. But, and I will say that I ended up toward the end of my school psych career working in alternative schools and things like that. So that was cool. So I got to do more of the therapy piece of it and help kids who normally, um, didn't get as much help because of their behavior. And I enjoyed, because remember I did behavior modification and I did parent training and things like that. So I got to use a lot of those skills and I didn't have to do as much testing, but I still knew that that wasn't the career for me, but I stayed 10 years to get vested. And I also stayed 10 years because like I said, my kids. So by this time, my kids are in high school, they're older now. So I'm like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? You know, you like this, but you don't love this. And so my friend, uh, one of my friends, she and I were doing a parent training together and she, I'm sitting in her living room and all of a sudden she says, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I got tickets, I got tickets. I'm like, tickets to what? So she had tickets to the Oprah Winfrey show, like right before it was going off the air. Like, so I guess like the, not her last year, but the year before her last year. And she was like, you're going to go with me. I'm like, okay. So we all go see Oprah Winfrey. Now we didn't know what the show was about. And but we we decided we were gonna really get in the front. So if you wanted to be in the front of the Oprah Winfrey show, you had to have bright colors. So we all look like a bag of Skittles because I had on a bright lime green shirt. She had on like a hot pink. We had on yellow. I mean we were bright. And then they said if you kind of you know turn up in the lobby area, then they'll come. So it doesn't matter because you stand in line and you get, you know, tickets and stuff. But if you turn up in the lobby, then you could still get picked first over your ticket number. So we turned up in the lobby. We were speaking to people. We were all bright. And of course, they picked our group as one of the first groups. So I literally was on like we were on row three, like right there. Like I could reach up and touch Oprah if it didn't look creepy or nothing. But I, I could have touched Oprah. That's how close we were. And so we were so excited. Then we find out the show is about your dream job. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so they had like the cake boss there and he was fairly new at the time. They had people who were living their life and doing their dream job. And I remember sitting there thinking, you are not living your dream job. You're not doing your dream job, Arcella. And you're not gonna go out like this. Cause by this time I'm in my thirties and I'm like, you know, you gotta figure out what you wanna do with your life. And so I was like, okay. So when I get back, I'm gonna quit this job as a school psychologist. Well, mind you, when I get back and I tell everybody, everybody's like, girl, you've been trying to quit since year two. So they didn't believe me. And my boss even was like, Arcella, and, and by this time I'm making pretty good money. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, mm, probably about 80,000 or pretty close. And also, oh, also by this time, I'm a professor too, like a part-time professor. So I'm making six figures at this time in my life. Right. I didn't really look at it that way. But if you when you added it all together, I was making six figures easy. And so I was thinking, you know, so everybody's like, what, what's wrong? You know, you this job is not hard. You, you got the other job. You're doing pretty good. Like, what's the problem? And I was and I, I did question myself, like, what's the problem? But I was like, I just think it's, it's better. It's more. It's more. So. Uh, when it came around for the contracts to be signed in April, I just didn't sign it. And my boss called me and you sure, you know, are you sure you're going to do this? And did da 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 Because, you know, if you don't sign this, so why don't you sign it? And then so I was like, no, because if I sign it, 
I'm going to stay here another year because then I'm going to be responsible for the students because, you know, when I do my work, I do, I, I work well. Now, I don't, I don't have work. And so I know if I started, then I wouldn't have wanted to lead the children. I wouldn't have wanted to lead the parents. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And so I didn't. And so what I ended up doing was I had no other job lined up, by the way. Yo. So I ended up taking some of my retirement money and I spent a year, I mean a year, Lord child, not a year, a month in uh, Utah. And I hung out, I was at a spa and I hung out with Mormons and I hung out with wild Mustangs and I was really trying to get myself together. Well, before I left though, Dr. Cherry, who you'll see on one of the podcasts, if you look, Dr. Cherry had called me and she was working at a university and she said, hey, they hiring. What do you think about this? So I actually had done the interview before I left to go to Utah and I really didn't think of anything about it. I really wasn't that pressed. But remember, I always wanted to be a professor and I was teaching part time, but I wasn't a full time professor. And I was like, oh, I could be a full time professor. That is my dream job. Right. So I go and I do the interview. I leave, I come, go to Utah. So they call me while I'm there and say, I got the job. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then the salary they offered me though, I was like, oh no. And so I thought about it. And one of the things that Dr. Cherry and I talk about is negotiating salaries and things like that. So I looked up the salaries. I looked up, you know, all this stuff. And I talked about what I was worth. So I came back and I counter offered what they were telling me. And I told them why. It wasn't just like, oh, I want more money. It was like, I've done this. I've done this. I have this experience. I have that. I've done this and that. And this is what I'm worth. And they gave me more than what I was worth. And so um, I also enjoyed teaching there. So I taught there for a nice little minute. And um, the issue was I was teaching mostly undergraduate. They had actually hired me to make a master's program, which I, I did help make the master's program, which is pretty cool. And it still exists today. But I was teaching mostly undergraduate students. And I just didn't, I didn't particularly, I realized I like teaching people how to do stuff. And so I was like, as an undergrad, you know, when you teach undergraduate students, it's more broad education. And so I just didn't, that still wasn't my dream teaching job, but I still like teaching and I enjoyed the students and I enjoyed it, but I was close, but I wasn't quite there. And so I ended up opening also a private practice because many of the people that I was working with, especially in the school systems, they were like, oh, can you see our children? And it's not enough mental health providers and things like that. So I ended up getting licensed with psychologists, all that had the private practice, but I really wasn't doing much with it. Then I moved to California real quick because my daughter, when she got in the military, she was deployed and I had started working with veterans too. And I realized I want to make sure that my baby is good when she goes and when she comes back. So I stay in California for a minute, still trying to figure out my life. And I'm also still teaching because I can teach online. So part of what I was doing was teaching online, but I ended up leaving that teaching job. And I still didn't know what I was going to do. So I did the private practice and I actually did pretty well in private practice, which is because remember, I go back to when I learned about from Dr. Burnett years before. So I know about business. I know about people. I knew how to set it up. Then I started getting excellent people to work with me. So that's when Dr. Sams and Eric came. And so I did pretty good in private practice and also also my superpower which is one of the people one of the things that i ask the people that are guests on the show is 
uh, I am an expert of people. That's what I believe that we are in our profession, are experts of people. So I knew people. I I was pretty good at therapy. I was pretty good at teaching. And so I was doing, I'm doing, I was doing well in terms of making money and in terms of liking what I was doing, but I still hadn't quite put it together. So now we come to my, my vision that I have now and, and the vision that I have for the future. I was like, what is it that you want to teach? So I started I had been teaching uh, PhD students and I was teaching master's level students and I was teaching them how to do stuff. So I was like, yes, I like that. I like that a lot. And then I remember going to get a advanced certificate in something. And I remember sitting in the continuing education course for four days. And to be honest, it was not a good course. It, and it was different people that came, but it was like, I thought about, you know, how many years will I have to sit in these continuing education classes and not really learn anything? And I was like, what is the goal of these classes? The goal is for us to, to improve our skills. The goal is for us to be better. The goal is for us to figure out how do we continue to help others? And so then I realized, I said, let me go back. And I went back and I got my... Um, licensed as a professional counselor, because I also remember that as a, at the master's level, I didn't know much about a lot of things. And it wasn't necessarily me, it was just I wasn't exposed to it. And then I started talking to friends who were professors teaching at the master's level. And then I taught the master's level. And I realized that a lot of people still were not coming out with the skills that they needed to be as successful, not only with their clients, but also in business and in making money and things like that. So we're telling students to go out and make money and have private practices, but nobody knows how to run private practices. Nobody knows customer service. Nobody understands um, the skills to get them to come back. They didn't have those, we were missing those things. And so I was thinking, how do you combine that new desire to help the profession with your desire to teach? And so that's when I developed the, the training institute. And that's when we started doing professional development and continuing education. And so I have the we got the NBCC certification to, to teach the continuing education classes, and we actually made them very hands-on. And so far, of course, you're always going to have somebody who doesn't like, you know, something that you do. But the majority of people have always talked about how great our classes were, how interactive, how much they learned, and how it changed their perspective on the work that they do. And that's really what I'm like, ah, that's it. So what I do now is I provide continuing education services and courses. And I feel I supervise the next generation of mental health providers. I um I supervise supervisors. And so I feel like now I'm combining my love for teaching with my love for the profession and helping it as I go on the as I become on the downside of my career, helping the next generation um to to do this better and to to help not only others but themselves because again i think you should be able to help people and make money and so if any one of those things are missing then i don't feel like we're balanced and so i'm very excited about this point in my life and then the podcast came about because i, I like talking and i'm pretty good at it overall and also the other thing is i also want to figure out how can i expand this help that I'm providing and that the other people are providing, how can I expand it? So if you couldn't come and pay for a program with us, at least you could hear something for free and that 
could help you and help your clients and things like that. So I was trying to see how could I help on all levels of the continuum for those who can't pay anything to those who want to pay and spend extra uh, VIP days with us and things like that. So I really was trying to figure out how how could I help on a, on a continual uh, continuum. And so that's where the podcast came and the six figure therapist came about because I'd gone to a podcast seminar thing and I actually want to help people improve the skills and the art of therapy. But I started realizing people were not making money. And I just didn't understand when you go to school all this time, when you have all these licenses that you have to keep up with and all these degrees you had to get and then you're not making any money to show for it and you're not having time for yourself and not getting to travel and do things. I just, I didn't quite understand it. And so I called it a six-figure therapist because people are drawn to, to numbers and things like that. But what the goal is, again, to, to remember that philosophy of helping people and making money and get that balance for people. And so most people start to listen to this because it's called a six-figure therapist to see what we're going to say, but it is a combination of different things that we hope will help you to be in the career and to stay in the career and to also help yourself and other people and your family. So that's kind of the big picture of it. And so far it's going well. So far I'm so excited. I And, and even the podcast, actually I'm even more excited about the podcast than I thought I would be because I get to sit and talk to people who are doing this and I get to... Um, uh, who are doing well in the profession and who are helping a lot of people in the profession. And the other thing that I love about the podcast is, I, if you hadn't noticed, I'm really trying to talk to people who are doing different things. Because as I told you, I did school psych. I was like, ah, I did, you know, some other things. I'm like, ah, like I went, worked in inpatient before. I don't want to be locked behind any doors. I know people who worked in prisons and things like that. And so I'm hopefully I'm giving you a variety of settings that you could work in too, so that if you didn't particularly like what you're doing or where you're at now, you would say, hey, let me look at this area. Let me try this. And so, and even talking to some of the people that are on the podcast, I'm like, oh, I didn't even think you were doing that. You know, oh my gosh, I didn't even think to do that. So I'm learning different things that I could do as well in the profession. And I have never been one to do just one thing. I always do generally have multiple streams of income, but I also had multiple streams of income at one point that were burning me out. So uh, that's another reason why I'm like, okay, can you pick something you really like to do and then maybe add on here and there, you know, and, and maybe not even something in mental health. It could be other things. Like I have a, one of my colleagues that's going to do designing our shirts for the six figure therapist does shirts and, you know, so it has mental health practice, but also does t-shirts on the side. So things like that. And the other big thing about what, what I'm doing now and what we're doing is I really would like us to build a community together so that we could talk to each other about stuff so that we can help each other. So we can support each other, giving each other clients, giving each other information, um, talking about the different things that we want to learn that we don't know about, um, just really supporting each other, any other outside interests or outside businesses that we have. So I really am trying to build a community of mental health providers too, so that we'll be able to help each other. And again, sustain ourselves in the profession and improve the profession. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So my big vision, okay, y'all ready? 
my big vision is to be a seven-figure therapist. I'll put it out there. I'll put it out there in the world. I'm just telling you now. <laughs> uh, but I have been a six-figure therapist for many years now, and I'll, I enjoy it. I enjoy And this is the other big thing. This is the other big thing that I want some of you all to think about, especially those of you who are already six-figure therapists or pretty close. The other goal for me is to how can I make money in less time? How do I make more money in less time? So I only work a few days a week, technically now, and still can make six figures. See? So now, back in the day, you might have called me working six days, all that kind of stuff. But I work I work less, unless I'm doing something new. Like now, one of the other things is a six-figure therapist course. So I'm sitting and I'm writing the course out and I'm going to go film it and, and all of that. So that's taking up time, right? So there are going to be some things that take up more time, especially as you start to have a business and, and starting to get it off the ground. But the majority of my time, I don't work as hard as I used to work and I still make good money. And so that's another thing to think about is how do I maximize my time? And then also some of the things that you choose, and we'll talk about that another time, but some of the projects you select and some of the people you work with, all of those things help you to get and keep money. And so that's a part of some of the things that I talk about in the course is uh, we talk about, I, I have personality pieces in there. I have pieces about, um, you know, making money, keeping money, your thoughts about money. Because in the mental health field, I have a lot of people talking to me, well, it's not about the money. Well, yeah, it may not be about the money. You probably didn't enter for the money, but we need money to pay rent. We need money to even help people. One of, the, one of my other visions is that I want to be a philanthropist. So I want to give out money to people and I do give out money, but I want to give out like large sums of money to people. Um, when my children were in college, every year we pick somebody and give them money for books or computers and things like that. So you can't even do good for other people without money. So even if you didn't want the money for yourself in order to have to help other people, you still have to have money in order to help your own children or your own family. I have I'm an only child. So I have three parents to take care of. I have a, a father, mother and a stepmother. Guess what? I have to take care of them. You know what I mean? And so I have to have and I want I want them to be taken well taken care of. And so that means I need money to do that. So again, you know, I won't get on that soapbox. But the point is, is that it's a lot of things that we have to look at. So with the course, I, I really am looking at all the things that I've heard over the years, all the things that I've experienced over the years. And putting it together so that you all could, you know, see see what you could do in terms of your skill set and in terms of your financial success. So I am very, very excited. And I told you all a lot right now. So I hope that it, it was helpful for you. And uh, so, yeah, so that's what's next. We do, we're just going to keep doing the podcast. We're going to keep doing the, the six-figure therapist course we're building our community of mental health providers um, uh, we're doing our continuing education courses and so i'm just so excited and i'm hoping that you all continue to join us and, and you know share this with others and again if it's something I, i've gotten to talk to many of you a lot of you but if it's something that you want um, to hear about in particular, one of, oh, one of the other things that I, I have added to, and if you listen to the podcast with Dr. Friedman, is a masterclass, because also in doing the trainings, 
I realized again that some skills were not taught like they used to be taught. And so I'm I have a master class every month with someone who looks at a different theory. So Dr. Freeman, for example, started off with psychodynamic theory. And so we're going to have somebody with reality therapy and somebody with uh, solution focused and things like that so that you can also get the skills and, or, or just continue to learn in terms of your skill set as well. So I'm hoping that'll be helpful. So again, give us, give me feedback and comments on what's helpful, what else you want to hear about and uh, who else do you want to see? What What's some of the things that you uh, felt like you were missing that you want to know more about? So yeah, please continue to, to let us know. So I'm so excited. I hope this was helpful. You got to learn a little bit about me, or probably a lot about me, um, but I'm sure you'll get to learn um, even more and I want to learn more about you. So again, please share and um, yeah. So thank you. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for giving some of your time to listen to The Six Figure Therapist. If something was said that taught or inspired you, please join us on our mission to uplift and empower mental health practitioners. You can become part of the movement by sharing this episode, subscribing to the podcast, and leaving a review. We can also be found at Six Figure Therapist on YouTube and Instagram. Until next time, we wish you wellness. And remember, broke is not your color.